so today, I believe the Lord's speaking to us about journeys and uh, where are we going, what road are we on, and wasn't it wonderful to hear? Is my eyesight going, where is Debbie? Wasn't that wonderful what Debbie was telling us? <laughs> there you are, there. Great. Wasn't it wonderful? Today, I'm going to talk about the following. I'm going to talk about the Calvary Road. I've been told not to beat my chest. Whether that's because I was married to Jane and Tarzan and Jane type of thing, I've no idea. I think it's something to do with the microphone. Is it working? I'll, I'll try. If I hit my chest, come and hit me. Anyway, today I'm going to talk, and I'm afraid I've got notes, because that's if I don't, if I don't actually stick to something I've written, who knows what I'll say. Lord, Lord preserve us. Anyway, I'm going to talk about what the Lord has actually told me to say, so I better stick to what he said. So if I'm looking down here and not at you, it's not because I don't like you, it's just because this is what the Lord said to me for us today. Okay, and uh, Lord help. Amen. The Calvary Road, the way to glory. So we're on a journey, but it's a good journey. And what the Lord said to me this morning is, the walk to glory starts now. Isn't that good? Okay, have you ever been asked for directions? Have you ever taken a, a wrong turning? I know I have. I wonder how many of us remember the classic 1985, actually, rock song, The Road to Nowhere, by, talk, you're all too young, of course, Talking Heads. My son was, was, was five then. Give some idea of my vintage. The song, right, by the post-punk band Talking Heads is a proud on the face of it, optimistic, but at heart, knowingly defiant anthem to bravado in the face of lostness, hopelessness, and despair in a manner reminiscent of the pointedly, forgive this, it's just the way I write, um, reminiscent of the pointedly godless theater of the absurd, Influenced, no doubt, by the fashionable atheism of the post-war school of French existentialist philosophers. You'll gather I'm not too fussy about these guys. The lead singer, David Byrne, calls us to celebrate and join with his merry band on their gleeful journey on the road to nowhere. The lyrics contain these words. And he didn't have a Scottish accent, I don't think. Well, we know where we're going. He sings with more than a hint of irony. And we know what we want. This is bare-necked hedonism, unconcealed and abashed, celebrated. And the future is certain. Of course, this is absurd because existentialist philosophers didn't really believe anything in meaning at all. They, they, just, they denied the meaning of meaning and <laughs> who knows? It's not worth going there. If you don't know about existentialism, forget it. It's not worth it. Stick to the Bible. Just give us time to work it out, he says, encouragingly not. I'm feeling okay this morning, he says. Well, goodness, good. That's nice. And, you know, we're on the road to paradise, he says. Well, that, that was it for me. I thought, goodness, are you really? And, uh, and then uh, it carries on. Maybe you wonder where you are. I don't care. So the guy doesn't even care if you, if you know where you're going. Or I thought, well, it's a great song, by the way. Listen to it by all means, but then switch over to worship music instead, because quite honestly, it won't be very helpful for you. 
In 2007, the Lord Himself met and rescued me from the road to nowhere and placed me on a better path, a path I would later come to know as the Calvary Road. All glory be to God. Those who know me best know that in day-to-day life in the natural, in the natural, I'm a man with no innate sense of direction and a comical dearth of capacity where spatial awareness or indeed anything 3D is concerned. Indeed, I got lost so often as a driver when I was younger, and it was no joke, that eventually, the police took pity on me, but eventually I simply, that's not in the script, I eventually gave, gave, simply gave up around 19, they would help me with maps and things, I said, I'm sorry, I just can't see it. Uh, oddly enough, it was just before sat-nav was invented, but anyway, I gave up, and thankfully, they invented uh, wheelchair buses and such like, so Jane and I were pleased, and I was relieved because I didn't have to drive. I just couldn't see where I was going. Maybe sat-nav would be fine. There's no point in asking me to navigate if you give me a lift, because we'll go to the wrong place. I struggle to find my bearings, tend invariably to hold maps the wrong way around, and not perhaps more properly to be identified by clinicians as clinically blind in the navigational sense at least. And yet, it is my testimony to the glory of God that I who was blind can now see, but I see now with eyes, with new eyes. And I can say with confidence that I know the way. I actually do know the way. This guy guy wrote about uh, we're on the way to paradise or something. I know the way. Isn't that amazing? Someone who couldn't take you to the end of the street without a lead or something. This new way, this new life is, however, of a different order altogether from anything I'd ever known before. Praise be to God that by His grace I've come to know the one who is the way. And like all of you here who know the Lord can too, I can bring others to Him now because He's with us. He lives in us. Oh, sorry. He lives in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory the Lord of all, King of glory, the one alone who is the way, the truth, and the life. So, who's just Jesus then? Jesus is the way. The first Christian believers were described in the New Testament. They were originally known, as before they they were called Christians or anything, they were just known as followers of the way because Jesus had said He was the way. So, they were followers of Jesus, so they were followers of the way. Well, that helps me because I had no idea where I was, but now I know where I am because I follow the way, and it's Jesus, and He lives in me, so I'm sorted. Anyway, Jesus is the way. There's so many roads in life, so many choices. It's easy to take a wrong turn. I better speed up a bit. Jesus is also, glory be to God, the destination, and our companion, our true and faithful comfort and friend along the way. He leads the way. Isn't that a relief for me? Goodness, no more getting stopped by the police. I can tell, I can give them help with their directions. <laughs> Jesus promises never to leave us through good times and bad as we journey with Him along life's winding roads. And didn't I just hate winding roads? Here, He is here with us now today in this church building. He's with us in fresh ground that Debbie was talking about. And isn't fresh ground great? <laughs> Amen. Let's keep praying for it. It's wonderful. What a vision. Amen. And we gather with friends to worship Him at our precious midweek groups. He lives and reigns in the hearts of all those who choose to love and follow Him. 
In Ephesians 3, verse 17, Paul prays for and encourages the church in Ephesus with the words, Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. We as his children trust in him as a small child trusts in his or her parents with total dependence, total joy. Debbie was talking about joy. Knowing we are loved eternally and unconditionally because of who he is and all he has done and not because of who we are or anything we might imagine in vain that we could ever do for him. As his children, we are called to walk intimately with their father by the Holy Spirit and to experience and live in the joy of being loved with the unending love of God. The small child does not have to do anything to deserve the love of his parents. Such love is unconditional. Similarly, but to a truly boundless and infinite degree, beyond imagination, the love and mercy of God is freely offered, freely given, and freely received. The beautiful image of the small child trusting in and grasping the hand of his loving parents brings to mind the loving promise of intimacy of Jesus himself in Revelation 3.20, where he says, and he says to us now as the church, and he says to us individually, and he says to our neighbors and our friends, in our family, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Nowhere does it say, Then I'll go home and I'll, that'll be said, Cheers for now. No, he come in and sup with me. How wonderful! The precious and gentle Savior who came to save me lives in me and promises to live in you. Do you know in the Word of God in the New Testament, Jesus described as the Savior of the world? Hallelujah. If you will but give your life to Him, will you do so today? The prophet Isaiah, looking forward in time to the cross, spoke these words prophetically of our Lord Jesus. All we like sheep have gone astray, so it wasn't just me. We've turned every one to his own way no doubt the road to nowhere, and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Now, I who was once and had been all my life on the road to nowhere, I'm now on a different road, a new road, the road that leads to the cross, the road, that, the road marked with suffering, the suffering of my precious Savior who died for me and for you, that ends in glory, glory, the Calvary Road. On the Calvary Road, we proclaim with joy the wonderful good news of the gospel that Jesus himself, not me or you or whatever, is the answer to every question. Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. So, Jesus is the way, water, and life. Amen, Lord. We follow you. At last, I know the way. He's also the truth. What a comfort to realize the truth is not just something we can haggle over on question time or debate in the public square. Rather, all we need to do is proclaim the simple truth that Jesus Himself, the King of love and glory, the one who gave His life that we might be set free and reconciled to God, is in the deepest, truest, most real, and most fundamental sense of all, the truth. Jesus is the life, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, I am come that they might have life, that they may have it more abundantly. In Deuteronomy 30, we read, I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life 
to choose life is to choose to follow Jesus. He will never let you down. I can testify to this, the unfathomable love, kindness, and faithfulness of God to be found in the person of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Jesus is the way which leads to life. In Matthew 7, 13 to 14, we read of the way which leads to life. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many that go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Then in John 10, 9, we read, I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. So Jesus himself is this gate, and he himself is the way that leads to life. This life he speaks of is more than just existence. This is a new quality of life altogether, new life, new and abundant life in the Spirit, as God planned for us all along. Do you know this life? He offers this freely to us now. Today, here this morning in this church, Jesus said in John 10, 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly, more abundantly. And how can all this be possible? How are we to live such a life? Scripture makes clear that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. So, we're to walk a narrow path and we're to be in the world. How can we do both? The Christian life appears to be a paradox. We're called to stick to the narrow path, and yet we're called to reach out to the lost and the suffering in the darkest of places along the way. How are we to do this? Is this not a contradiction? Many Christians choose to, to huddle together with like-minded fellow believers and keep their distance from the wider non-believing world for fear of being tainted by their ungodly ways and ideas. They're like frightened sheep on a barren hillside frozen in fear, the, the frozen chosen, awaiting the life to come and their master's return, unaware he is with us now and urging us to live in the victory he already has won for us on the cross. In John 17, Jesus prays to the Father for his church, for us on the eve of Calvary. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Notice this, it is Jesus himself who sends us now into the world, on mission as it were, in community and in his name. In Mark 16, he calls us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, not some of it, all creation, not to retreat out of the world in despair of its wicked ways and write letters to the times, and that's not in the script, but to go into the very places where help and rescue are needed most sorely and to tell the least and the lost the good news of the cross, to proclaim the name of Jesus and to trust in God alone and not in ourselves for the increase, trusting in Him to give us the words his heart of love and the opportunity to bless others with the good news of our wonderful Savior. In Romans 10, 13, we read, whosoever, whosoever, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do we really believe this? Then what's stopping us from acting now? We're to leave no stone unturned 
Jesus raised the bar of what He's looking for in us, the church, when He rebuked the Pharisee in Luke 14 for His lack of humility, saying, when you give a lunch or a dinner, don't just invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors, your well-to-do neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid in some way. They may be able to do something for you. But when you give a banquet, and Debbie mentioned banquets, when you give, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. In the parable of the great banquet that ensues, Jesus continues this theme as the master tells his servant, go out on the roads and country lanes and tell them all to come in. Tell them they're welcome so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited and by implication chose then not to come will get a taste of my banquet. Again, we ask, how can such a life be possible? How can we do this? Maybe if we just try a little harder, we might make headway. The honest answer is that such a life is not possible in our own strength and ability. We know all about our failings and shortcomings. In our own strength, we all fall, fall short of the glory of God, and we freely concede this. We're weak, but He is strong. In Him, all things are possible. The Apostle Paul explained in Romans 3 that such a life requires the righteousness of another. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. No matter who we are. In Romans 3.23, we read, the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Not to some who might believe, but to all who believe. Are you trusting in Jesus today? Have you given to Him all your hopes, your dreams, your pain, your shame, and your disappointments with yourself and with others? Have you asked Him to take the driving seat? Or are you still driving your own way? To take, ask Him to take control of your life. Have you placed your life in His hands? Are we prepared to die daily to self to live for Him? This is the way to freedom. The Calvary road that leads to the foot of the cross. Jesus Himself is the way. He walks with us now by His Spirit on the Calvary road, no longer on the eve of crucifixion, but in victory, power, and glory. He is our strength and our shield. The Lord has paid the price. It is finished. We can trust in Him, and in exchange, He offers us new life, His righteousness, His way. We do not walk alone. He walks with us and lives in us. He promises us His glory. He promises to equip, direct, and empower us by His Spirit as we trust in Him, getting close to the end, I promise. In John 17, Jesus prays to the Father for all believers, including ourselves. He says this, my prayer is not for them alone, and He's referring to His, his disciples that were with Him, His friends on earth. He says, my prayer is not just for them. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that's us, that all of them may be one, one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe and believe that you have sent me. 
I have given them the glory that you gave me. Do you hear his words? This is Jesus. He has given us the glory that the Father gave him. Do we believe this? Are we living in his glory? That they may be one as we are one. Are we one? As, as the Father and the Son and the Spirit are one, are we one? Are we one in them? Are we in him? Is he in us? So that they may be brought to complete unity. Lord, then the world will know. See, this is the key to mission. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Father, this is Jesus' prayer. I, we stand in agreement with you now, Lord Jesus. Father, I want those who have given, you have given me to be with me where I am. And why is this? It's to see, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world, the Father's love for the Son. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Righteous Father, Jesus says, Jesus prays, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you've sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The midweek group that meets in my house in Bayfield Road every Tuesday is now called the Calvary Road Group. In the natural, we meet at Bayfield Road, SE9. But in the spirit, we meet together on the Calvary Road. We journey together day by day, 24-7, moment by moment, led by Him. He knows the way because He is the way. And in His love, through life's joys and trials, on the Calvary Road, loving, supporting, discipling, and encouraging one another every day, wherever He leads us in all situations, circumstances, and walks of life. We simply tell everyone who comes that Jesus loves us all and all those we care for, our friends, our families, our colleagues, our bosses, even the ones we don't like very much, our companions. He loves us all and knows all the details of our lives. He wants the best for us, only the best for us. He's with us always and promises He will never leave us or forsake us. Such is His love the overwhelming love, mercy, and compassion of our great God. Hallelujah. He is our all in all. We also meet at various locations throughout the week, including in one another's houses for a variety of purposes, some social, some outreach, mostly unscheduled and unplanned, some focused mostly on prayer and worship to our holy God. Friends together walking with Jesus in each, each one of us living for Him and for His glory. Oh, hallelujah. Family together looking, for, looking out for one another, living missionally for Jesus in our community. He is the good shepherd. We are the sheep. Jesus tells us, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. He leads, we follow. What a wonderful life. What a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. Amen. He leads, we follow. What a wonderful life. It's such an honor to be counted as one of his sheep. So we meet for friendship, fellowship, worship, prayer, and fun with an emphasis on the Word of God and the love of God and the power of prayer. Our desire is to reach out into our neighborhoods, streets, and communities with the unfathomable love, mercy, and kindness of God. We bring at each of our meetings every concern, every sickness, every worry, every woe, every need, every problem to Jesus as we sit at His feet. Our fears, our doubts, our deepest longings, all of our failures, disappointments, shortcomings, and misgivings, 
praying for one another, loving one another, seeking his face continually, Jesus himself at the feet of Jesus. He's with us as we meet at the foot of the cross. His great love poured out on each one of us and all we bring to him. What a privilege to bring our friends and our neighbors to Jesus, to the feet of Jesus, our gentle Savior. What a privilege. Life soaked in prayer and worship. This is according to Watchman Nee, the normal Christian life. Life in the Spirit, led by the Lord, our good shepherd, who calls us to a life of radical commitment, surrender, and obedience, to die to self that he might live in and through us, that we might say with Paul, in Christ I live and breathe and have my being, that we might live in the victory that he's won for us at the cross. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Jesus, Savior of the world, the only hope for our broken and hurting world. We're called to worship you, Lord Jesus. Every aspect of our lives we give to you, Lord. Be glorified. We surrender. Glory be to God. If the worship team could come up for one song. There's one song for me that sums up this divine exchange of beauty for ashes. The song is at the foot of the cross. Perhaps... As we sing this, or as the others sing it, you don't want to hear me sing, really. We look at the words and just give your heart to the Lord. It's all here at the foot of the cross where grace and suffering meet. Have you suffered? We have a Savior who suffered for us. You've shown me your love. He's shown us his love today. He says there's a welcome here at the cross for every broken heart. Has your heart been broken? There's a welcome for every lonely soul. Jesus came for the brokenhearted. There's a welcome if you find yourself lonely. There's a welcome when all hope is broken. Have you been broken so badly the only thing you could think to do was to cry out to God because there was nothing left in yourself I know my dear Paula's felt like that, and so have I. That's where we meet the Lord when things are hard. Don't look at the adversity and think God isn't with us. That's where we, that's where we cry out. The Lord knows us. Let's worship. Amen.